0: i want to also before we start i want to i want to thank Cedric for all the he he comes here every Sunday early and he prepares everything all the all the uh, technology to be able to have skype and YouTube and to be able to have everything working Appreciate for us you. he does He does all the editing for the uh for the ministry for uh that reaches out um, throughout the world we've reached i think close to twenty one thousand people twenty one thousand viewers now that have heard messages that we that we minister. And uh, Cedric has been a great, great help in that. He's done that. He takes out his own time and works on that. He's learned, it, learned how to do it and, and continues to get better and better. And uh, I'm thankful. Thank you uh, on behalf of all of us, Cedric, for the work and the labor that you do in that, for all that everybody does. But I want to give a special thanks to him for being able to uh, help reach out. Uh, Wes also helps out a lot. We do some videos together, Wes and I also. To uh, to outreach and help people all over the world, and um, and the Lord is using that. So I thank the Lord for that for what He's using uh, this small group uh, in and helping others to come out of the bondage and darkness of sin. We've been in the first in the book of First John last week. We were talking about, and I want to go over it a little bit. We were talking about in verse fifteen uh First John. Uh, let's go there. I'm in mean John. I need to be in First John. First John chapter two. And verse 15 says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. He says, for if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him." You. you know, you could park right there a little while and talk about that. You know, if you're loving the world, then you can't have the love of the Father in you. And uh, he talks about what's in the, the world, what he's talking about. I mean, you know, the Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth him should not perish but have everlasting life. Everybody knows that, John 3.16. But here it's talking about what the things of the world, and he lists three different things. He says this is what he's talking about when he says love not the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those are the three things not to love in the world. The lust of the flesh, we talked about that somewhat last week, Larry, where we talked about, you know, the desires of the flesh. There are things that are permissible to God for you to desire. Like if you're cold, it's okay if you get warm. If you're hot, it's okay if you get cold. But there's other desires that come forth from your body that the Lord forbids. So we shun those things. The Bible says, if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do put to death those deeds of the body, you shall live. So he talks about that, that, he talks about a warfare of the flesh and the spirit, talking about that there's, that there's a war that goes on between a man where uh, to to fulfill those desires of the flesh. So we talked about those last week. Then he talked about the lust of the eyes, uh, of what a man looks at. Remember, Jesus said it'd be better to go to heaven with one eye than to go to hell with two. He says, if your eye offend you. Pluck it out. Before that he said that you've heard that it said, Do not commit adultery. But I say unto you, whosoever looks upon a woman to lust after her in his heart, he's already committed adultery. So if your eye so if a person is looking at pornography or looking at a woman or looking at a man to lust after them, then he is he has already committed adultery. And the Bible says to remove yourself from that, to repent of that and remove yourself from that. Pluck your eye out. Does that mean literally pluck your eye out? But if you have to, that's fine. But it's really meaning Get away from that. Get, don't, don't get into it. You the know, Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, No temptation has taken you, but such as is common to man. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but will provide a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So God gives a way of escape from those, and that is to get away from those things that may tempt you to do something that is against what the Word of God says. So the lust of the eye, the Bible says, if your eye be single, your whole body is full of light. So if you are single on the Lord, and that's what, you, that's what you're thinking about, that's what your mind is on all the time. Like it says in Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3, it says uh, to speak to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart. The Bible says in Philippians 4, to think on those things that are good and pure and honest, of good report. Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, it says, Casting out imaginations, everything that exalts itself above the word of God, to bring every thought to the obedience of Jesus Christ. The Bible says to put on the whole armor of God so that you'll be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The Bible gives you a lot of equipment to keep your mind stayed on the Lord. Isaiah 26.3 says, Perfect peace will I give to him whose mind is stayed on the Lord because he trusts in the Lord. Wes, you wanted to add something to that?
1: Um, I just thought a good verse to go along
0: with uh, the lust of the eye. It's found in Psalms one hundred one, verse three. Psalms one hundred one, what? Verse three. Okay. Okay. I like it. It's it's a good one though. Psalms one hundred one, verse three says, "I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes." That's good. Um. Uh. I hate the work of them that turn aside, it shall not cleave to me. That that kind of speaks to you about looking at porn or something that a lot of people have problems with, you know, that are not in Christ, of course, but they have that temptation. Don't put anything in front of you, Uh, he, he said, before his eyes. As a matter of fact, Job said this, Wes, he said, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look or lust upon a woman. He said, I made that covenant with my eyes. Uh, The Bible says in in Proverbs chapter 4, he says to look straight ahead, don't look to the left or to the right, your eyes on Jesus. Jesus said in in, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, he says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. So the focus is on the Lord. That's why it's so important that you keep your mind stayed on the Lord. Then you have that perfect peace in Christ and the Lord. And then last of all, he says the pride of life. That was the third one. And we talked about King Nebuchadnezzar last week. Remember when we talked about it, how he had conquered many kingdoms and was the strongest land on all the, in all the earth, and he had exalted himself, though, and he wouldn't, give, he wouldn't give glory to God. And he took that pride upon himself, and God turned him into, made him think like an animal. He went out in the pastures. And Remember, he was eating grass and grew feathers and claws on his hands and, until it came to the time where, the Bible says, after seven years, he was like, after seven years, then he came to his senses, and he awakened, and he praised and honored God, and he had a whole different attitude. Daniel had tried to counsel him and tell him to repent, tell him to turn from his ways before he did it, but he didn't take uh, Daniel's counsel, and he, he went through twelve months where he could have repented. And even as we plead with you, and we plead with others uh, out there, you know, that we counsel to to turn from your ways. Don't let any sin. He says. He says in, in Hebrews 12.1, he said to lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset you and run that race that is set before you. Don't let anything be there. Hebrews 12.4 says you have not yet resisted sin to the shedding of blood. You know, resist it. Don't, don't give in to it. And by doing this, you know, when I, th- when I was thinking about that, he, says, uh, he said there, he said, now that you understand what these three are, and, and one of the things he says in Proverbs chapter 6 2, he says there's six things the Lord hates, yea, seven. First one on the list is pride, a proud look. You know, God hates proud. The Bible says in James 4, he, he says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. But the scripture says if you'll, if you'll humble yourself, God will exalt you. You humble. God wants a person to come to a place where they're nothing. The scripture says in John 17, 10 he says, after you've done everything that God has commanded you, you've fulfilled all of his commandments, say this to yourself, we are unprofitable servants. We've only done that which is our duty to do. It is our duty to obey the commandments of God, but to think, and never think nothing of ourselves. Paul said, some say I'm of, of Apollos, he said in 1 Corinthians 3, some say he's of Cephas, he says, because people were trying to recognize him, but who is, who, he says, who is Apollos? Who is Cephas we 're mere servants of the Lord Jesus Christ, and when the disciples were thinking who was greatest among them, Jesus said, "Whosoever will be greatest among you, let him become your servant, and whoever would be chiefest among you, let him become your slave that 's the humble position as a minister, as a person that wants to help other people and teach us he should be, people exalt him and put him in a position of hierarchy and reverency. when really as a, as a servant like i 'm here serving you." I'm your servant, I'm your slave, I'm here for you, I'm here to help you, I, want, I pray for you, I watch out for your souls, I'm, 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 I warn you, I'm, I'm there for you. And we should do that one for another as we, we walk humbly before one another. Ben, you had a, a, a... I was just going to say, I mean, as you're speaking
2: and I'm listening, it just really equates with, um, are you really dead to self? Because if exactly. you not, then you're going to struggle with pride. If you're not, you're gonna struggle with lust of the world. That's right. And what can I do for me? So you really gotta look at, am I really dead to self? Because if I'm dead to self, then it's not about me. It's what can I do for somebody else? How can I serve somebody else and be used by God? Amen. And that's that's kind of what I what I'm hearing as you speak and you know, that's that's it, man. And that's what you find with a lot of people that their walk is they're not truly dead to themselves. It's still what can I do for me? What can I do for me? You know?
0: Yeah, um, that's good, and that's exactly right on, Ben, a very good point. Uh, Leonard Ravenhill, a a famous guy, he's now dead, he once said, he said, you're either dead to sin or you're dead in sin. You're one of the two. You know, if if your walk in Jesus doesn't cost you anything, then you don't have anything. Because like Ben said, it costs you your life. You must lose your life. Jesus said in, in Luke nine twenty three he says, If any man will come after me, let him forget about himself and take up his cross and follow me. For he will lose his life. But if he loses his life for my sake, it shall truly be saved. Today, people don't want to really preach about sin. And don't, they want to tell you you're okay like you are. Just come forward and accept the Lord and you're good. You, you don't need, it's not about you accepting the Lord. It's about the Lord accepting you. That's what bottom line really is. It's about you coming to that place where you humble yourself. You're nothing. and You come before the Lord and you cry out to God with a broken and contrite spirit and total humbleness and say, I'm nothing, God. I'm a mess. I am messed up and you come to that place of repentance where you turn from your sin, you change your mind and say, I'm not walking that, lo- that way any longer, I'm losing my life, it's going to cost. Does it cost? Does it, do you suffer? Absolutely. Paul said, I suffered the loss of all things that I might gain Christ. But he also said in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, he says, I am exceedingly joyful in all of my tribulations. You have to come to a place, brethren, where everything in your life is going to be tested. Everything and every one that you have in your life. And are you going to stand or are you going to be moved when those things are shaken? The Bible says that judgment must be given at the house of God. And everything that can be shaken will be shaken. But will you stand? Remember Jesus gave a parable one time. He talked about a wise man and a foolish man. He said the wise man was the man that built his house upon the rock. And when the wind came and the storm came, which represents trials, tribulations your life, it blew against the house, but the house stood. That was the wise man. But the foolish man, he built his house upon the earth, the flesh, his self. So when the wind came and the rain came and beat upon the house, it washed away. He so said, the wise man is the one who hears God's word and does it. The foolish man who hears and he walks away and he's a forgetful hearer. So God calls us to hear his word and to walk in his word. But you're so right, Ben, in that the, 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 these three things that he talks about here is where people get swallowed up. But I want to talk about the world a little bit. I want to talk about world, be, being worldly-minded, also means to be like carnally-minded. Carnally-minded is a, and worldly-minded is the same, basically, thing. They This is what an ungenerated person does, is they're worldly-conscious. They're not godly-conscious. They think it about, they they end, they're involved in all the worldly things. They're, they're involved in their Facebook of putting things on there that's worldly instead of speaking about God. They're speaking about riots. They're speaking about all this kind of earthly junk. And their, their minds, they're not really not out speaking about God. They're out speaking about the world. And they stir up people to get even more stirred up with the world. But we're, we're, we're called, we're not called to the kingdom of the world. We're called to the kingdom of God. There's a difference there. Jesus said in John 17, he said, Lord, I was in the world, but I'm not of the world. Neither are my disciples of the world. You're not to be of the world. You're in the world. But you're, the Bible says in Hebrews 11, you're to be as pilgrims and strangers in this world. You're passing through. If you're going to love this world, you're going to be moved by this world. Sooner or later, you're going to be moved by it because it's going to be tested. Romans Romans, Romans chapter 12-2, Paul writes first of all in Romans 12 he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is a real act of worship. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And that's what Don is, is quoting there. So, yeah, you, you lose your life. You, you listen, when you offer yourself a living sacrifice, you don't come up, up on the other side living, Right? You, 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 when you offered a lamb in the Old Testament as a living sacrifice, what did they do to the lamb? They slaughtered it. You have to lose your life, or you can't have life, right, Ben? You can't have it. That's just the way. That's the way it is. So to be, we were talking this morning in service, which we had a wonderful service this morning with the brethren and, um, and Linda was in, and Cedric was there. Several of you were there. And we were talking about in the book of Colossians, and I want to talk about this a little bit because it kind of goes along with this three things of loving the world and loving the things of the world. I don't want to see any, my brethren, any of you, I don't want to see you fall away or be moved by these things that happen to you. Your love has to be so strong for God that nothing can move you. And it's all about love. It's faith working through love. The love for God has to be past all your knowledge to where if somebody else goes another way or somebody else tries to gnaw on you, it doesn't matter. You're not going to be moved because you're on the rock. You're, You're solid in Christ. A lot of you are tested in your marriages. A lot of you are tested in different relationships that you have. And those things have to be tested, but they're tested to make sure that you are solid in Christ. Christ is a God is a jealous God. He wants you all for himself because of his love for you. But it will be tested. In chapter 3 of Colossians, we were talking about this morning, I want to to bring this back out. You guys bear with me that we're with me this morning, and we're going to be on this a little bit. Stay with me. He says in Colossians chapter 3, If you then be risen with Christ, then seek those things which are above. If you're risen with Christ... Are are you risen with Christ? First of all, the Bible says that in in, uh, Romans chapter 3, he says that Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He says, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? He said, for we are buried with him in baptism, and we are raised together with him in his resurrection. So we're we're risen with him. Ephesians chapter 2 says he lifted up and raised us and seated us in heavenly places. So we're, spiritually speaking, we're living in heavenly places. We're risen with Christ spiritually, if you have been Truly born again, if you have been truly, you laid your old life away and you're walking in righteousness and holiness. So as if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. Listen to the next verse. I love this this morning, Wes. It says, set your affections on things above. Listen to this closely. Not. There's a word not. Not on the things on the earth. Don't set your affections on things of this earth. You're setting your affections on what's happening with the Lord. You're not being affected by things of the earth because your affections are in the Lord. Your feelings are not the feelings of the world and, or being moved by what the world does or by what anybody else does. Because you see all your, all your affections are on the Lord. Yeah, Wes, go ahead.
1: And also to tie in with that in Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verse 1, and it says, And you who made a lie, who are dead and trespasses in trespasses and sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this rule. This so according to the prince of the power of the spirit networks and the sons
0: of this who we once once Let me Let me repeat that, Wes, that you're cutting out? Let, let me repeat this uh, just a minute. He says, he says here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to I'm just read the scripture that you read so that I can clearly understand what you're saying. Wes is saying in verse, chapter 2 of Ephesians, verse 1, And you hath he made alive, he quickened, who were dead in sins and trespasses. When we walk according to the flesh, you're dead in your sin and trespasses. Like I said, you're either dead to sin or you're dead in sin. We were dead in sin. Now we're, now we're dead to sin. We don't sin anymore. That's over with. If you're still sinning, you, you, you're not dead to sin yet. You're alive to sin, right? You're very much alive. But if you're dead to sin, you're not doing it anymore. A dead man can't sin. You can go up to the funeral home, Todd, and you can get that, open that, that coffin up, and you can smack that guy right in the face. And you know what he's going to do? Nothing. Because he's dead. But, but because, and, and because you were dead in sins. But, but when you're dead in Christ, you didn't do anything, but you're, alive, but you're alive in him. Where in a time past you walked according to the flesh, so according to the course of the world. What was the course of the world? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. You walked like that. If you're still walking like that, you're just like these people. You're still dead in your sins and trespasses. I don't care how many times you've been to the altar. I don't care how many times you ask God to forgive you. I don't care how, how much you go to church. I don't care about it. If you're still living in sin, you're still dead in your sins and trespasses. You're still following the course of this world. And he says, which is the prince of the power of the air. You're listening to the enemy. My sheep hear my voice, John 10 says, and a stranger's voice they will not follow. If you're following with a stranger's voice, you, you're in sin. And you're dead in your sins and trespassing. You have no life in you. The spirit, and this is the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience that he was saying. Let, let me let Wes finish saying and I'll, I'll let you talk. Go ahead, Wes. Just uh, verse 12 says what
1: you're saying. Just to you read that.
0: Okay, Ephesians 2, 12. That at the time past when, when you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. And have hope. Now you have hope. Now you have Christ. If you've been risen with him, if you set your affections on things of the earth. I'm going to tell you what Paul said, and I repeat this sometimes, but Paul said this in Acts chapter 20. He said, I'm going bound to Jerusalem, not knowing what's going to happen to me there. But he said, one thing I know, that bonds and afflictions abide me, follow me wherever I go. Now, what if you knew everywhere you went that you're going to have problems? Because Paul said, that's what comes at me. Bonds and afflictions. He says, but none of those things move me. Important. None, do, does anything move you? Then you still have your affection set on something in this world, whether it's a wife or husband, or thing, or some, something or whatever, maybe it's money, maybe it's your bank account, because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. But Paul says, None of those things move me. Why? Because I count not my life dear to myself. <laughs> it's not this life. I'm not counting my life. Death used to be my enemy. Death is now my friend. Because I, what happens? You die, you go be with the Lord. I'm not scared of that. I want to be with the Lord. That's okay. What was once my enemy is now my friend because I'm in love with Jesus Christ. But he says here, I want you to get this. He says, don't get your affections on this world. Don't be affected by what's going on in the news media or this this virus, all this stuff going on. That's not your business. I'll show you something. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. And you can hold your place in, in, in Colossians in, in there because I want to go back to it in just a minute. But I want to show you this. Second, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Listen to this talk. Second Timothy chapter 2, okay? Verse 1, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit out of faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. How many of you are soldiers of Jesus Christ? If you're in Christ, you're a soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warth, you're in a warfare, right? You're in a warfare. You have an adversary that comes at you. The Bible says in, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 9, it says you have an adversary the devil who walks about as a ruling life, seeking he may devour. Made no man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life. He's not involved in all this. This is not your home. This is not where you belong. Your home is with Jesus. You're just passing through. Get your mind off of what, how much money you're having to make or what you're trying to get or what you're trying to achieve in this world. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many toys you have or how much money you have because all that's going to do, that will just rob you of that if you set your affections on that. Your affections are to be set on that which is above that you may please him who had chosen him to be a soldier. So why are you involved in all this worldly stuff? Well, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God in the world too. You can't serve God in money too. You can even love one and hate the other. You it won't work. It's got to be all God or it's got to be all the world. It, you, can't, you can't go both ways. Now back to Colossians 3, it says here, set your affections on things above. Everybody get that? Everybody doing that? Praise the Lord. Not on things of the earth. That's pretty clear, isn't it? We got that? He says, for ye are dead. Dead to sin. Dead in Christ. And your life is hid with Christ in God. In James chapter 5, um, um, it says, uh, uh, Cedric, it says that, what is your life? It ask that question. What is your life? And I want to ask that question on What is your life? What is your life? Is it um, what you can accomplish in this world? Is it how much money you can make? Is it all about just you and your family? What is your life? Do you know what the right answer for that is? What it should be? My life is Christ. because he says here, he says, when Christ, who is our life, if Christ is not your life, you don't have life. The world is still your life. Come on, guys. It's either one way or the other. You cannot follow two masters. It's either one or the other. You can't love this world and love God too. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. Why are you getting all caught up in this stuff? You're not going to stay here. That's not, your, that's not where your treasure is supposed to be. And when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then you shall appear also with him in glory. Praise God. Let's go back to 1 John now. Those are, those are some really powerful words there in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. Um, because those three things are the three things that is of the world. And the world, he says in verse seventeen, the world passes away, and the lust thereof. But he that does the will of God abides forever. Ben, you had some, a comment a while ago. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just now getting back to so, you.
2: Um, as you were speaking, it kind of led me to this. Uh, this is Romans six, uh, six eighteen. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Mm. So it's that it's that you were slaves to sin. And you got to transform into being slaves to righteousness. And then it goes on. I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. And pardon the version. I just Googled it. <laughs> um, just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to increasingly wickedness. So now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at the time of the things you're now ashamed of? Um, those things result in death. So basically, we are to be- become slaves of righteousness. What can I go do for somebody else? It's not about me. And that's a real good, you know, slave to sin to slave to righteousness.
0: So all you could do is do is, is live righteous now, you know, is what, yeah. what you're saying. Before, yeah. before we were slaves, we were in bondage to that's sin. Right. And we're in, but now we're in bondage, bondage to, righteousness. to righteousness. Yeah, which is a good bondage, which is what you want. Absolutely. In other
3: words, we, we, should, we should be at a place in our life where we can say that, like Jesus said, i always pleasing to the Father. He Amen. said that. Amen. And so we should be at a place in our life where we can admittedly tell someone, I'm always pleasing
0: to the Father. Because the Bible says that, that uh, in Romans 8, he says those that are in the flesh cannot please God. So that means if you're in the spirit, then you're pleasing God. Amen, and, and of course we know that 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 1 and 2 says
3: yeah,
0: uh, I'll give it to you, okay? No, 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 I'll no, give God, it to you. you. Want me to give it to you? He says that
3: he that suffered in the flesh uh, has, has ceased from sin. Um, as Christ is also suffered in the flesh also like, like, likewise arm yourselves with the same mind. So
0: For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin that he no longer the lives the of rest Christ of the, life the, flesh, to the, the, the lust the of the, the flesh, flesh. Which is what we're we talking about. God. But lives. So, so here you're talking about a man, he stops sinning, and he's living the rest of his life for the will of God. So he's come out of being dead in his sins and trespasses, being uh, freed from the bondage and slavery of sin, to be able to live in the bondage and slavery and freedom to live in righteousness. Right. You know, so the righteousness, it's kind of like King David said, he said, the Lord hath rewarded me according to my righteousness. Amen.
3: Okay, I also abiding as well. So you abide in the Lord, you remain righteous in the Lord, obedient. You abiding in Him. It says that he that obeys the Lord abides forever. And so you will abide forever and continue to be.
0: Yeah, it, yeah it, that's good uh, that you say that the world passes away the lust thereof, but he that does the will of God abides forever. Um, it's kind of like the in, in Matthew 7, uh, where it talks about that. Um, uh, he said, By their fruits you, you shall know them. And he says, uh, Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom, but he that does the will of the Father, which is saying that same thing right here. And of course, we know in John 15 it says, says uh, Yeah, you and my friends, if you do whatsoever command you. But he also says there. Um, in the next verse. It, oh, go ahead. He says
3: that uh, me and my Father come and kind of
0: make God it. Yeah, just John 14, yeah. Yeah, I'm talking about John 15. But uh anyway, <laughs> he says, uh, "I am the vine, and you are the branches. I got you <laughs> I am the vine and you are the branches. Every branch that <laughs> bears fruit, he prunes that it may bring forth more fruit. you know so there's an abiding because the our our life source is him. apart from him, we can do nothing. The scripture says, so we walk in that and, pr- and praise the Lord. Anybody have any, any other comments on those on those scriptures that we just talked about? about loving the world, lust of the world, lust of the Father. I, I think that's, to me, <coughs> excuse me, that's so clear. Uh, like he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, he says, uh, what fellowship hath light with darkness? What communion has Christ with the lie? What fellowship does a believer have with an unbeliever is? He says, therefore, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and then I will receive you, and I will be your father, and you be, will be my son's. He says, therefore, cleanse yourself from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. So God calls us to come out of living that life in the world, of being part of the world. Turn with me to John 17. I think this is this bears uh, speaking because this is the John 17 is probably the most powerful, um, one of the most powerful chapters to me there is uh, in the Bible because it's Jesus praying for you and I and for his disciples. Um, he says, first of all, in verse 3 of John 17, and this is, this is life eternal. Everybody wants to know what, what eternal life is. This is life eternal. That they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. That's it. That's why Christ is your life. Knowing Jesus in that kind of way, and this is an intimate love knowing of Christ. It's like Adam knew Eve. That knowing is an intimate relationship where you have become one with Christ and one with the Father and one another. 1, yeah, where, where, you, where you come to that and know him, and that knowing, is, it passes knowledge. That's eternal life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can experience life outside of knowing him. And he goes on here and he says this, he says uh, at verse 14, I'm going to start at verse 12. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak, speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Verse 14, I have given them thy word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world. You know, if you're going to be of the world, the world's going to like you. You see, but he says they, the world hated him because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. We're not of this. You're in it, but you're not to be of it. I pray not that thou should, should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Amen. Okay, let's go back to 1 John chapter 2. Any comments? Good. Verse 18. Little children, it is the last time. And as you've heard that the Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. What is an Antichrist? That's right. Anybody who denies that Christ, Christ is the Messiah, is, is, is God Almighty. And there's more than one way of denying that Christ is the Father. It's not just saying it, but it's by the life that you live, whether you're denying Christ, he's the Antichrist to you. So there's many Antichrists, like he says. They went out from us, but they were not of us, so they were within them. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest, that they were not all... Of us, but you have an unction or an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things, because the Spirit that God put in you, it, you have you 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 have that knowledge now. You have an understanding of of, of those things. Look with me uh, to Romans chapter two. Romans chapter 2 is very powerful scriptures here. Um, it talks about here, uh, we'll start at verse um, <clears throat> verse 5. It says, but after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. People say, well, you know, it, what I do is not important. Yeah, God, you're gonna, God's going to render you to you according to your deeds. To them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, they receive indignation and wrath. Tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that does evil, of the Jew first and also the Gentiles. But glory, honor, and peace to every man that works good, to the Jew first and also to the Gentiles. For there's no respect of persons with God. For as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without the law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law are just. That's pretty clear, isn't it? You know, if you're going to sin, then you're not going to make it. If you're going to walk in righteousness in your because the one who's justified is the one who does who does what the law says, what God's commandment says. But listen to verse fourteen. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are law unto themselves. So they didn't have the law, but they do those things by natural. Why? Because God has placed a new heart in when you when you purely come to the Lord. Says in Ezekiel chapter thirty-six, he says, "A new heart will I give you." I will remove your heart of stone, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And he said, and I will put a new spirit in you that will cause you to obey all my commandments and all my statutes. Once you come into that as a Gentile, God, you have that inside of you. You have an unction. You have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. You know what to do or not to to do. You know that in your your spirit, in your conscience. Your, Your conscience tells you that. Uh, which which he says in verse 15, which show the work of the law written in their hearts. Their conscience also bearing witness in their thoughts, the meanwhile accusing or else excusing them, one another. Go back to 1 John. So you have an unction, you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I've not written unto you, verse 21 says, because you don't know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Okay, he says a person is a liar that denies that Jesus is the Messiah. Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ means Messiah. He's a liar if he denies that, and he's an Antichrist. A lot of people feel like, you know, and I'm just going to put this out there because we're here. But a lot of people think, well, you you know, the uh, a Jewish people of Israel is God's people, God's holy people, and you should do whatever you need to do to support them and help them all that you can, because that's God's people, God's chosen people. Uh, that's not so. Actually, the Israel, the Jewish people, deny Jesus Christ is the Messiah. They say He's not the Messiah. They say He's not. Actually, if you if you go back and, and you read the Talmud, which is what they all go by now, the Talmud says that Jesus was a fornicator and his mother was an adulteress, a whore. You know, so they denying that Jesus is the Christ. So I don't care who it is. If you deny that Jesus is the Christ, you are an antichrist and a liar. You know, and I don't want to support. I'm not going to support that, no matter what, because because you deny the Christ of our Lord, whom they crucified. And it says, whoever denies the Son. Verse 23, the same does not have the Father. If you don't have the Son of God, if you don't have Jesus, you can't say, well, I serve the Jehovah God. I serve Yahweh. I serve Elohim. No, if you don't have the Son, you don't have the Father either. Wes? I
1: was going to say that uh, even as they, they deny that he is the Christ or the Messiah, I thought it was a good point because... Uh, Like Matthew chapter 1 verse 21 says, And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from from their sin, sin, not in their sin. So if you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, you're believing that Jesus is going to save you from your sin, and so if someone just believes that Jesus is, you know, the Christ, but they don't
0: live like he's beside her. He's living in the front of the Yeah, your, your mic is, is cutting out a little bit, Wes. Uh, I don't know if you can make an adjustment or whatever there, but we're getting a little bit of cutout. But we did get mostly what you said. I think everybody pretty much uh, got what he said. Okay, uh, exactly. Uh, he was saying, he was quoted in Matthew in where he says that uh, uh, where, where the son was born, not the Not to leave you in your sin, but to save you from your sin. So sin no longer stops. So amen. Okay, verse 24. Let that that therefore abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. If that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, you also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce or deceive you. Uh, Very. He's writing this whole book. A lot because he, want, he doesn't want a person to be deceived from the truth. Go ahead. What does it mean when he said uh, that, that you've heard
3: from the beginning? The beginning of the chapter? The beginning from time? From the beginning
0: of what? From the beginning of when they, they came in Christ. Continue in what you have heard from the beginning. The gospel that you've heard. Continue in that gospel. Continue uh, like Paul wrote to Timothy and says continue in these words. You know, give yourself to, to reading, to exhortation. Continue in what you've heard. Okay, But he says here, these things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you or deceive you. When I look at verse 7 of chapter 3 and compare that, look at verse 7. He says, little children, let no man deceive you. So here it's talking again about seduce you or deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous even as he is righteous. How could somebody deceive you in that? They could tell you this. They could tell you, well, I'm righteous, not because of anything I do, but because of what Jesus did. I'm righteous. I have his righteousness. He's given me his righteousness in exchange for my sin by going to the cross. That would be what? Deception. Deception. Right? Because the Bible says here, and John is trying to point that out, that the only one who is righteous is the one that's doing righteousness. He's righteous. Just like it says here, we'll, we'll skip down to verse 29 and we'll cover those other verses because this all kind of goes together. He says, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that does righteousness is born of him. Okay? Again, he's saying doing it, right? If you know that Christ is righteous, you know that everyone that does righteousness is, is born of him because it's him and Christ, Christ and him working through him. Now look at verse 10. In comparison, in this, the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. This is how you know the distinction between a child of God and a child of the devil. Whoever doeth not righteousness, there it is again, is not of God. Wow, that's wrong. And it's not talking about occasionally doing righteousness and occasionally sinning because we know that a good tree cannot bring forth corrupt fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. So it's not going to be a back and forth thing. This is not what he's talking about. He's saying the one that is righteous is doing righteousness. And you know, if Christ is righteous, then you know that everyone that's doing that righteousness is just like is born of Christ. How clear. So don't be deceived in that into thinking that, hey, I'm okay. I do some good things, but I also look at a little porn. Or also, look, also, also uh, I'm not married and I'm living with a, a woman that's not my wife. Or I also get angry and furious and rage and, do, and say things and do things. Or i got filth coming out of my mouth. All these things. No, you're not righteous. You're unrighteous. And you will not inherit the kingdom of God because that's what the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 6, 9. It says, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. He doesn't say to a person that's righteous sometime and not righteous the other time. No, he says that unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So you're in a bad position. You say, why are you telling that? You're making me feel guilty. You're making me feel condemned. Maybe You need to be before it's too late. You need to wake to righteousness, as he said in 1 Corinthians 15, 34, and quit sinning. And wake up to that because you're being deceived. And most of the churches out there, I can say because I've I've, I've listened to them, I've heard them, they will tell you the opposite. They will deceive you and say you're okay in your sin. That is the same gospel, a word that... That the serpent preached to Eve and said, you can eat the fruit, you can sin, and you won't die. Same message is being preached today instead of the truth. John is saying, man, I want to tell you these things so that you won't be deceived. So he goes on. So let's go back up since we cleared up. Anybody have a question or comment about any of that? Cedric wants, uh, wants to read Hebrews 1 9. He's talking about Christ here, okay? He, he's talking about that Jesus loved the righteousness and said, hated iniquity. He hated sin. Therefore, God, even thy God, has anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Father, the Father is talking to the Son right here. Yeah. He says you hated, hated sin and okay, loved the righteousness. I
3: I'm hidden from my eyes. So I looked at it like that. If we have been followers of him, obviously we should be doing the same exact thing.
0: Right? Well, the scripture says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19, you want to quote that? Yes,
3: yeah, says, all that name the name of Christ depart from sin.
0: Yeah, all that, everyone who names the name of Christ, everyone who says they're a Christian departs from sin. And so that's basically the saying the same thing. The, the word is the same everywhere. It's all over. It's just, every time we read a chapter, it's still there. It comes out, Don. It's all over. It's all the, it's all the same thing. Uh, but let's go back up so we can finish this, this chapter verse 27. But the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you, and you need not that any man teach you. Uh, it, it, uh, but as the same anointing teaches you of all things, and is truth and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, you shall abide in him. Now, little children, abide in him. That when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Now, somebody could probably take this, um, Jill, and think, well, you know what? I don't need to go to church. I don't need to listen to anybody. The anointing's on me. I know everything. And so I, I can just do this by myself. You know? And <laughs> yeah, it's real dangerous. That's not what it's saying. It's saying that you have this discernment. You have this in you to know what's right and what's wrong. Of course it's not saying not to be there. The Bible says that there's gifts of the ministry. There's teachers, there's pastors, there's evangelists that help teach the people. It even says women to teach the younger children. When you look at scriptures, you look at the whole council of the word of God and you see what, what the Lord is saying with the whole council. Because the Bible does talk about study to show yourself approved, about learning the scriptures, about te- teaching others, about being taught. So we don't, you don't put those out. They, they're there. Okay. Um, so that that finishes up chapter two of First John. Anybody have any comment on any of that so far? Everybody okay? Okay. I
3: said. Um, yeah, 1 John two twenty eight.
0: Yeah, First John two twenty eight. Where was that? Yeah. alright I'm going to start on verse, in chapter 3 I know we're not going to get done but I want to start on chapter 3 oh Wes go ahead maybe we'll start on chapter 3 go ahead brother
1: I was just going to say can you hear me a little bit better now
0: much better I don't know what you did but it worked
1: uh, it was my microphone was down so it was covered uh, but like to add to what you're saying you need no man to teach you um, also the Bible says in Romans 8 it talks about your spirit bearing witness with their spirit. So it's really, since you have the Holy Spirit, you have a discernment at that moment to be able to distinguish truth from error. And so you don't solely need a man to teach you as if you don't have discernment yourself. I think it would be a better way of what Paul's really saying there.
0: Okay. just wanted to add to that. Thank you. Thank you, Wes. Appreciate that. Anybody else have a comment on that? Okay, we're going to just take a couple of verses here. This is, chapter 3 is very full. We won't be able to finish that in one week anyway. Let me just take a couple of verses, okay? Uh, It says, Behold what manner of love the Father has has to us, has bestowed upon us that we should be called the Son of God. Wow, sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it didn't know him. Beloved, now we are the sons of God. It doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So let's just stop there a minute. We know that when the, Lord, when, when the Lord comes and he appears, we're going to be like him. We know in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says that this mortal is going to put on immortality. This corruptible body is going to put on incorruption. We, uh, 2 Corinthians 5 says that we, we groan within ourselves, waiting to be clothed upon of, that new, of a new body and live in a, new, in a new way. And it says we shall see him as he is. The scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says we know in part and we prophesy in part until that which is perfect has come. But when that which is perfect has come then we, we will know even as he knows, the scripture says, so we will, we'll have the full understanding of everything. And everyone that hath this hope in him, what hope? Of being with Christ, that he's ready for him when he's there. Everyone that hath this hope in him does what? He purifies himself. How much? How pure? Even as he is pure. There it is again, Don. John just keeps going over the same things. I don't want you to be deceived. I want you to understand what I'm saying. He that has this hope in him purifies himself. He's doing something himself. It's not just God purifying him. He's purifying himself. How? By turning from sin and immorality and turning to God in holiness and righteousness. And how pure is he going to walk? Just as pure as God. Didn't that go along with like uh, like 1 Peter chapter 1? He says, to be ye holy, even as I am holy, the Lord says. Or Matthew 5, 48, be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Over and over again, he says the same things. And we read these same things over and over. But whoever commits sin transgresses the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. Sin is the breaking of the commandments of God. So we, we understand that, that, you know, somebody, some people call everything sin. They say, well, it's, it's, it's a sin if you're not praising God continuously with your hands up. It's a sin if you're doing it. No, sin is the transgression of the law, is what the Bible says here. It's breaking God's commandments. What are, his, what are his commandments? Well, first two, of, of which wraps up all of them, it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is like the first, to love your neighbor as yourself. Then he goes on, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not cover thy neighbor's wife. All these commandments, he's saying, uh, this, when you break those things, then you're transgressing the law. So we understand that we're to live beyond that and, and walk in perfect love because love works no ill to his neighbor and is the fulfillment of all the law. Because when you love, purely love, the type of love that God talks about, I'm not going to do anything to my neighbor. If I love Mark and I do love mark then i'm not then i 'm going to take care of his of his things just like I take care of my things i 'm not going to steal from mark i 'm not going to lie to mark i 'm not going to do mark wrong i i 'm going to i 'm going try to bless him and be there for him and be a friend to him and help him and look to his things and look to what he 's got and that's that's what happens when you do that you 're not sinning because you' you 're fulfilling the the law of God because you You're motivated by love rather than just saying, I'm motivated by just, I'm just trying to do what God says. And you're motivated. No, I'd rather do it by love. Because when I love my brother, you know, and love my sisters, which I do all, then I pray for them and I want God's best for them no matter what. So he says, and you know that, here it is again, you know he was manifested to take away our sins and in him is no sin. We have that word manifested there A couple of different times you see here in in verse eight, it says he that commits sin is of the devil for the devil sins from the beginning. For this purpose, the son of God was manifested. What was the purpose of him being manifested? Says in verse five, take away our sin says in verse eight, he was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. What were the works of the devil? Sin, unrighteousness, darkness. So he's saying little, the same things there. Amen? Praise the Lord. Uh, then the next verse, he says, Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins hath not seen him, neither known him. Now, some, Bible, some people's Bibles will read um, like this. Whoever uh, abides him does not practice sin. And you'll, you'll see a word practice there then. In the Greek, uh, it, that word there is really not practice. It's, it's really to do or to execute is what it says in the Greek, the word there. Um, and even at that, some people say, well, it's practicing it. Then you'd have to define, well, how often do you do something to practice it? How many times do I have to murder somebody to be practicing murder? So can I, can I murder somebody one time and that's okay? Or would I be practicing it? You know, so then you've got to answer those kinds of things. That doesn't make any sense, right? I figure if you murder, murder somebody one time, Larry, you, you don't, you, you're not going to make it. <laughs> Your heart's a mess. You know, you're not going to make it to the kingdom of God. Nobody's going to make it to the kingdom of God murdering somebody unless they repent and turn to the Lord with all their heart. Okay, uh, verse 7, little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. We've been over that. He that commits sin is of the devil. These are things that a lot of people don't like to hear. A lot of people avoid this book of 1 John. And just for those that are hearing us on YouTube or Skype or maybe hearing us for the first time, we didn't just pick these, this chapter or pick this book to try to say what we want to say. We just, we've been go- going through every chapter in the, in the New Testament, and this is just what it says. I don't want to try to make it say something it doesn't say. I want to just receive the Word of God the way it says it. Jesus said this when he was tempted after he didn't eat for 40 days and 40 nights. He was in the wilderness. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness and he was tempted of the devil. And the devil says, I know you're hungry and there's a stone right there. Turn it into bread. And the Lord said, the Lord wouldn't do it. He, says, Thou shall not, he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So the Lord said, we live by these words. You don't want to change these words. Bible says that whoever adds to it, takes away from the word of God, they shall have their part in the lake of fire. I fear that. Bible says, be not many teachers for they shall receive greater condemnation. I fear that. I'm going to stay within the confines of the word of God and I'm safe there. If I start going out of the word of God and start trying to give my opinion or my interpretation of it outside of God's word, then I can get in real trouble. Because I'm going to be accountable on that day of judgment for every idle word that men speak. And I want to say that too, guys, about what we were saying earlier. When he talked about talking about you being part of the world, that you can't have the love of the Father. When we talked about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and pride of life. It's not only what you do, it's, it's a lot about what you say. And you can say it by typing it on Facebook or typing it on Scott, on um on all these other social media things, and you can type all that stuff, and it's, but, but see, you're going to be, let me tell you how accountable you're going to be. Let me scare the dickens out of you for a while, because some of you need, may need to be scared. You may need to see the fear. The scripture says, and I'm going to just read it to you, in, in Matthew chapter 12, I know you like to write these down, Linda. I'm so proud of Linda. She is just doing so good in the Lord. She has grown so much, and just uh, always there, and just a real blessing to me into this fellowship. The scripture says in, in Matthew chapter 12. Verse 33. It says either make the tree good. And his fruit good. Or else make the tree corrupt. And his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by its fruit. O oh, generation vipers. How can you being evil. Speak good things. For out of the abundance of the heart. The mouth speaks. Listen to me. If I got something coming out of my mouth. It's in my heart.
1: That's what
0: defiles. And that defiles you. That's right Don. So if I got junk coming out of my mouth, and somebody says, oh, well, that means curse words. That means this and that. It means anything. Why? Go further when you read. He said, for for a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, but an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. For I say to you that every idle word, every little word, he says, that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. You're going to be questioned Why did you say that? It's going to be like a recorder that comes back on you and you're going to hear every word you said on Facebook, social media, everything of following this world and influencing people. Every idle word that you speak, you're going to account for on the day of judgment. Giving you a heads up on it now before you go to it. It's too late. And he says here, by your words, you shall be justified or by your words, you shall be condemned. So you need to be watching what comes out of your mouth. Scripture says it. In-